And we are jumping back into the book of Nehemiah, and we have finally come to what many would call the defining moment of the book. In the opening chapters, we see God call Nehemiah to this task of rebuilding the wall, and he responds immediately. We've looked at how he led this group of people and workers of the wall, even how he handled opposition when it came his way. And we've come to this moment in the story where the wall is completed. In Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, it says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elal in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. 52 days. 52 days. A work that could only be done when God is a part of the equation. We as Minnesotans know this to be true because in Minnesota there are only two seasons in a calendar year. First, the season of winter, and second, construction season. No offense to anyone in major construction here, but as Tom pointed out a few weeks ago, even with all of our modern technology, when does anything get done in 52 days? I mean, it's hard to believe that they're not just playing in a sandbox over there in Maple Plain. I just want to get from here to the cities in one shot for once this summer. It seems like nothing gets done in a little under two months. And yet God did it with his people to rebuild a wall that still stands today. That's amazing. Praise God. But that is not what is caused for us to stop and reflect this morning. Because God didn't just want to build a wall. God's purposes are much larger than that. And what I want to focus on and unpack is why the surrounding nations, the enemies of Israel's response, what was what it was at the end of verse 16 where it says, because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. When all of this was done, the surrounding nations were not focused on a strong leader being Nehemiah, which was custom during that time to recognize the power of a ruler, nor did they see a powerful nation, a group of people in the nation of Israel. No, what they saw and what they were afraid of was the God of Nehemiah, the God behind the nation of Israel. And this is because of how Nehemiah led his people and the nation of Israel. Because remember, the nation of Israel is currently been in exile. And so God has called Nehemiah to rebuild a wall so that they could rebuild a city, to rebuild the people of God, and God could get back into relationship with his people and bring glory to his name. This is always God's purpose in doing big things through using his people. It's to bring glory to his name and to show this world his love and mercy. The reason why the surrounding nations saw God as the powerful one and not Nehemiah or the nation of Israel is because Nehemiah reflected all glory, power, and praise back to God throughout this entire process of this first step of rebuilding the wall. God's fingerprints are all over this story. God is clearly moving, and Nehemiah makes sure that all credit is given to him. Nehemiah makes sure he does not receive credit, take glory for any success, or rely on himself for strength. 
We see this starting in, the, in, in chapter 2 in his conversation with the king. When God needed to move within this conversation, we see that Nehemiah says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven before he responded. In verse 8, in Nehemiah's writing of this book, he gives credit for success of this conversation to God. It says, Because the hand of God was heavy on me. In verse 12, he says, I had not told anyone what God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. One commentator defined this whole thing that was going on inside Nehemiah as a God-given burden. God wanted to do something. So he impressed it on the heart of someone who would be obedient to the call. In verse 20, he said, I answered them saying, the God of heaven will give us success. In chapter 4, when they were facing opposition, in verse 9 it says, or when they were threatened by attack, he said, but we prayed to our God and posted the guard day and night to meet this threat. In verse 20, it says, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. Every opportunity that Nehemiah had to point to God and give him glory, he did. It's almost like the more that you read about the life and story of Nehemiah, the less you actually see the person of Nehemiah and the more you see God. Nehemiah never lets the nation or anyone else watching this story unfold go a moment without reminding them God is with us, he is for us, this is his plan, and it's, not, and, and it's to bring him glory. He never stopped casting that vision, and this is why he was such a successful leader in rebuilding the wall. And this is why the surrounding nation's response is what it is in verse 16. Because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. The main point this morning is Nehemiah brought praise and glory to God's name by pointing to him and praising him every chance he had. Nehemiah got out of the way so that the world didn't see him. They saw God. Have you ever met someone like this? Someone who every time you step into conversation with them, the gospel, Jesus, or their faith is bound to bubble up in conversation. Like the love of Jesus is always on the forefront of their minds. If I could highlight someone within this body of believers for a moment, someone who I see, this, see do this exceptionally well is our very own Lynn Hansen. Every time you have a conversation with Lynn, you can see uh, the joy of the Lord is Lynn's strength and how she has conversations with you, her perspective on things and blessings that are happening in other people's life. She sees it as God's work and she makes sure that is known. She brings that up in conversation. And so how can we begin to live lives like that? How do we begin to live lives like Nehemiah? Like Nehemiah, how do we cultivate a life where our natural response in every situation is to point to God and praise him. In reading through these first six chapters multiple times in the life of Nehemiah, I see four attributes of Nehemiah um, that lend to a heart that points to God and praises him at every turn. First, God was at the forefront of Nehemiah's mind at all times because he was dependent on God. And we see this in Nehemiah's life through prayer. In chapter 1, Nehemiah fasted and prayed for four months before God presented the opportunity to even have a conversation with 
the king. And in verse 4, again, it says, Then I prayed to the God of heaven. All throughout this book, Nehemiah records where at a moment's notice, he would say a quick prayer, relying on God. One commentator in relation to this topic of Nehemiah's prayer life said, There is no greater indicator of how much one depends on God than one's propensity to pray. When one prays, one acknowledges the inadequacy of oneself and total sufficiency of God to meet every need. And so my question then for us this morning is how much do we depend on God? And a question to help you answer that question is how's your prayer life? When we pray, not only do we focus on God and grow in our understanding of our need for him, but it also opens our eyes to see the things happening in our lives as God, as God moving, not as just happenstance. An example of this would be the steel. It's so cool how we're going through this book of Nehemiah where there's a rebuilding of the wall and we're building a church right now. And we needed steel. And so we brought it before our church body and we said, God, we're going to rely on you to, to provide in this area, to provide this steel at the time we needed it. And he did. Because we were praying. Now when we tell people this story, our response can be, look what God did. See how he answered our prayer. See how he is moving in this. So the first area I see this in, 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 in Nehemiah's life is his prayer life. The second thing is Nehemiah was never in the way of God receiving his glory. When all things were going well, I mean super well, like they were for Nehemiah, convincing a king to let you leave your job and restore your homeland, being given resources, money, and protection, and doing your task in building a wall in an unprecedented amount of time, wouldn't it be easy to begin to take credit as the leader of this operation? As a leader, wouldn't it be easy to get a big head because of all you're accomplishing and all the success you're experiencing? For me, yeah. But this man, Nehemiah, makes sure that God stays the hero of this story by deflecting all praise and glory to where it is due. He doesn't get in the way of others seeing God by receiving any praise or making himself the center of the story. Nehemiah knows that ultimately it is not him accomplishing these things, but it is God working through him. Because of Nehemiah's prayer life and walking in step with God and listening to God, he has eyes to see all that is happening as not his own doing. And because of that perspective, there is no room for pride to come in and take credit for what's going on. With all good things happening, Nehemiah knows this truth, not me, but God. He stays out of the way of receiving praise and relays it all to his Father in heaven. When good things happen in our life, the question then becomes, do you see it as God's blessing in your life? When you share good news going on in your life with others, is it from the perspective of praise you or good thing this happened or praise God? Is it an opportunity for you to bring up your Lord and Savior in conversation? In James 1.17, it says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. In your heart of hearts, do you believe that? Do you see things in life this way? Is your disposition like Nehemiah to praise God in the midst of blessing? I think it's so cool 
when athletes on national television do this. I mean, they just made a game-winning shot or a game-winning play or a game-winning save, and when all eyes are on them, when the, when the uh, reporter has the, the mic in front of them to talk about the good thing that they did, and they start with, not me, I want to thank my Lord and Savior. That is an excellent example of what this looks like when all eyes could be on us, when we could take credit for something, and yet we don't. We rely it to our God in heaven. Or this building. I know for myself, and I bet for many of you as well, the building of our church comes up often in conversation. And in those conversations, is God mentioned? Is he receiving of praise for the work he is doing in and through this body of believers? I mean, what an easy opportunity we have as the Highlands right now to just organically bring up our God in conversation, to point to him and give him praise in this season of obvious blessing of building our own place of worship. God has blessed us in so many ways and there are so many things to be thankful for, which means we have that many opportunities to step out of the way, point to God, and praise him for all of these things happening in and through our lives. So the second thing, Nehemiah stepped out of the way and let God receive the glory that was rightfully his. Third, Nehemiah never forgot God's vision. God's vision, ultimate vision, was to restore the nation of Israel, to be back in relationship with his people and bring glory to his name. That's it. That's the vision. And Nehemiah never lost sight of that truth while building the wall. Building the wall was step one of the vision, but it was never the vision. God didn't just want to build a wall. And Nehemiah didn't lead as if the wall was it. Nehemiah didn't see the wall as the end goal. Just like we as the church need to make sure we don't see this building as the end goal. We've been in this season now of meeting in a school and raising money and finding lands to build on and now actually building the building. And in a lot of ways, it feels like we're nearing a finish line. In some respects, we are. But in many more ways, this is actually just the beginning. It's the starting line of a whole new chapter of life for this church. Because what the ultimate vision for God, that God has for this church is not a building. But it's reaching this community and the surrounding communities for the love of Jesus. And we have been blessed by God with this building because we have been obediently fulfilling that vision over the last 10 years here in Delano. I actually just met with my uh, my mentor this week, um, and I'm, just a few years ago, um, I, was w- I was walking him through what I had prepared so far and talking about where we were in this season of building, um, and he was telling me about how they had just built, um, just a few years prior, they had added on to their building, and him and the staff were mindful of making sure that the congregation's heart and perspective wasn't that that was the finish line. But he told me that that once that, that, that the rest of that building had been completed, the fundraising was done, there was this sense in the community that they had arrived. And that the body believers began to not look as much outward and they started to focus in on themselves like they had made it. And they got comfortable 
from complacent. And that is what I want to warn us of this morning. We refuse to let that happen in this church by not losing sight of God's ultimate vision for us as the Highlands. And when this building is done, we must continue to point to him by praising him every chance that we get. And number four, the fourth thing that I see in Nehemiah's life, fourth and final thing, is that Nehemiah's heart was fully God. These first three things really boil down to this one truth about Nehemiah's heart, that it was fully God's. In one commentary I read, he used this beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians to describe the life of Nehemiah. 2 Chronicles, I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, first. Uh, verse 9 describes the life of Nehemiah. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. God needed someone to, re- to lead in the rebuilding of the wall. God wants to strongly support that person in that mission, but that person's heart needed to be completely God, someone who was going to depend on him and walk in step with him, who wasn't going to take glory from God, but give it to God where it rightfully belonged. It needed to be someone who was going to stay locked onto the vision that God had set out to accomplish. And that person in this story happens to be Nehemiah. But here's the thing. We're all Nehemiah. God has missions all over that he wants to use us for. Missions that he wants to support that person in throughout that step and that process. And so what does it mean for our hearts to be fully God's? It's when God puts a, like Nehemiah, God-given burden into our hearts, and we respond. It's a willingness to, at the drop of a hat, set aside our own priorities for a moment to reach others and point them to him. It's when you're in Waconia at a basketball tournament with your kids and you see the ref on the court adjacent from you when your kids in the championship game get berated by some parents, right, for a bad call. And in that moment, God puts a a burden in your heart to go lift up and talk to that ref. Priorities here, but God's called you here. Do you do it? Do you respond? Or cabin life, it's a short season here in Minnesota. We only get a number of weekends to go to the cabin, to spend with our families, to spend it on the lake in this beautiful weather. And it's, it's It's when your family's all packed up and you're in the car and you're ready to head off to the cabin and you receive news about someone back home or or in our church who just received some terrible news and you get this God-given burden to respond to that call, to go comfort that family, do you do it? Do you do it? God's love is radical. And so sometimes that means the things that he calls us to are radical. And when our heart is fully his, And we respond to that God-given burden that he's put in our hearts, like we see in the story of Nehemiah. He will strongly support you in what he has asked you to do. My hope in sharing this message with you this morning is that we would follow Nehemiah's example. That we would live lives 
pointing to God by praising him every chance we get. That our instant reaction to all situations would be to depend on and praise God by spending time with God in prayer, understanding our need for him. Getting out of our own way and making sure God receives the glory that is his. Never losing sight of God's ultimate vision that he wants to use us and use this church and use this building to glorify him and bring people into his fold. And this really all boils down to making sure our hearts are fully his, just like we see in the story of Nehemiah. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for this example of Nehemiah. So cool to see someone so long ago live up to what you have called us to as your followers, as, as your people. To get out of the way, to give you glory and praise any chance we get. And I pray that this, this truth of how Nehemiah lived would sink into our own hearts, that we would receive eyes to see the ways that you're working in our lives and that we would relay those blessings when talking to others in conversation just in daily life as praise to you as your blessing and provision in our own lives, God. God, would you be with us this week in those conversations when sharing the good things that you've done in and through our church, talking about our building, that it wouldn't just be awesome, cool, I'm glad that's happening for this church, but look at what our God did. Look at how amazing and loving the God of this universe is to his people and how much he loves us and he loves you, whoever we're talking to. God, would you bless this July 4th weekend and the weeks ahead. We love you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. In your name I pray, amen.